Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugach. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, I'm Mark Pugach and welcome to Game On, the weekly football chat show from Mail Plus. So the club domestic season ends with the Champions League final on Saturday, then it's on to the Euros. Let's look ahead to that Chelsea-Manchester City match in Porto with two men with a dog in the fight. Eddie Newton played for Chelsea and was then their assistant manager when they won the Champions League famously back in 2012. And Danny Mills played for Manchester City and England as a fullback. And out in Porto as well to join us, the Daily Mail's chief sports writer, Martin Samuel. Hello, everybody. I hope you're well. Everyone around the world today, Eddie Newton joins us from Turkey. Eddie, great to see you. Martin in Porto ahead of the Champions League final. And Danny and I haven't escaped these shores just yet. But great to see you again, Danny. Um, let, I know you're obviously in Porto, Martin, so we'll get to the Champions League final in a second. First, the Europa League final, though. And, Danny, what do you make of all this? Manchester United should have changed their goalkeeper before the shootout. He, has, he hasn't saved a penalty for about four years now, De Gea. Hindsight bias is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, it's incredible. Go back to, is it about five years ago? Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid, the penalty shootout. Oblak never got near a single penalty. You know, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Nobody said, oh, Real Madrid, you know, won it because Oblak was hopeless in goal and didn't save a single penalty. I think it's just very unfortunate circumstances. I, I think De Gea has been harshly treated in that situation. Bruno Fernandes' penalty was lucky. You know, the goalkeeper gets a hand on that. Luke Shaw's penalty was very, very lucky. Could have easily been saved. The goalkeeper steps up and pings it. He just pings it top corner. He just lashes it in the roof of the net. And you've got, you know, you're at this stage where players didn't want to take penalties, you know, and now you've got a goalkeeper that isn't, he's not one of the greatest with his feet, you know, at, at the best of times, you know, playing out from the back. It's not Edison, is it? Who's probably, you know, would have, would probably done a Rabona uh, and, and just bent one in the top corner. I, I think it's very, very harsh. Uh, Ollie seemed to be getting away with it because, the big players didn't perform. They didn't stand up. Two shots on target in 120 minutes. That's woeful. That is really, really poor. That's why Manchester United lost it. Not because he didn't change the goalkeeper. Eddie, you were assistant, of course, when Chelsea famously won the Champions League final on penalties in Munich. <laughs> what were you thinking when it was all unfolding in that Europa League final? Uh, yeah, as Danny just said, I think... Uh... You know, he's the goalkeeper. De Gea has been vilified <laughs> unnecessarily. You know, I think everyone's looking for a scapegoat, and there is no scapegoat. The fact of the matter is that they didn't perform well enough on the night, and uh, it went down to penalties. You got another chance to rectify the situation, and you wasn't able to. As simple as that. Um, when you're watching the game, as Danny said, the penalties were fantastic, by the way, really well executed. So. You can't really put the blame on someone. And for the keeper to step up and take a penalty, it's brave anyway, you know? It's brave. I remember Noah doing it in... Uh, he took the third penalty uh, for Bayern uh, in the Champions League final, uh, which I was absolutely shocked at. 
and uh, he put it he put it away fantastically. And that was because a lot of the Bayern players at the time didn't want to take penalties themselves. So he took it upon himself and stu uh, stood up, which De Gea did also. So, you know, can't vilify the guy for, for the, the rest of Man United. Eddie, I think it puts to bed finally for once and for all, doesn't it? I hate it when people go, oh, it's a lottery. There's no lottery about a penalty shootout, is there? It is the biggest test of nerve and skill that you can put yourself through, surely. Without doubt, without doubt. To step up, you know, the walk from the halfway line to the penalty spot is, is very difficult for anyone. Uh, and then to hold your nerve with the goalkeeper, maybe trying to play uh, little games and trying to put you off in some way or another. And to hold your nerve, especially when there's a big crowd behind you as well. So, yeah, you're right. It is something that you just have to hold your nerve and have skill to, to put away and execute what you're trying to do at the same time. Martin, where does this leave Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on Manchester United? This is, I couldn't believe I had to read the sentence again, four seasons in a row without a trophy. He looks like, um, he, look, he looks very much like it was at Cardiff, basically. It's Cardiff with better players, Manchester United. That's, that, that's what it is. It's, it's very, very off the cuff. It's if Fernandez can hit Cavani with a pass. It's it, they're not they're not recognisable as a as a team the way that Manchester City are recognisable as a team. I've always said this. This is the judge of a of a team and in many ways of a coach. You, you could you, you, they don't have to wear their colours. You could put Manchester City in white t-shirts and you would go. That's Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. The way they play, there's an, an identity. You can say it with Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. You can go down the league. You can you'd say it with David Moyes. You, you you know a David Moyes team actually. You know the, the tall centre halves that they've got. Uh, tall centre sorry central midfielders that they've got. And you can the, the best coaches. You absolutely they put a stamp on the team. You go right. That's that's Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Doesn't matter what they're wearing. That's Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. With United. It's, it's 11 good players, it looks like, sometimes. And, and it will come off on occasions because, let's be fair, if you've got Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford and Cavani in your team and Mason Greenwood, most, most weeks, you, even, if you, even if you get it together for 30 minutes or, or for one half, as sometimes happens with Manchester United, usually the second, um, it's going to come off for you. You're, those guys are going to be better than the guys they're facing. What happened the other night is they came up against a superbly organised Villarreal team. I refuse to believe that um, Unai Emery didn't know what he had in the penalty shootout. I'm not saying that he, he knew that, you know, by the time it was the ninth and tenth penalty, they were going to be flying in better than the first or second. But that looked like a team that had, had practised penalties. That looked like a team that were happy for it to go to penalties, to, to you know, to play for penalties would possibly be the wrong word because I thought they were the better team in extra time. I agree with the fellas about uh, De Gea. It's just, that, that's not, you know, people forget that when Louis van Gaal changed his goalkeeper in the World Cup for the penalty shootout, it was regarded as the most radical madcap plan that anyone ever had to. to and I still haven't seen anyone else do it because Kepa in the League Cup final with Chelsea, that wasn't to do with him wanting uh, uh, Caballero on because he was a better, better a saver of penalties, it was because they thought Keppel was injured and it and Keppel wouldn't come off. It's it would be an extraordinarily radical thing to do to 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 hook uh, David De Gea and, and and then go to penalties. But if you look at the way 
Emery planned his game as a coach. You know, you don't win four of those things. That, that, that's intelligence, Martin, isn't it? Because yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a coach. United have struggled all season long against teams that sit back, sit deep, mm. and they can't break them down because they rely, as Martin says, on that pace and the passing of the forward players to get in behind to teams. And Unai Emre would have looked at this and thought, right, we'll sit back and defend. Yeah. And we'll cause them problems and they won't be able to break us down. We won't allow them to use their pace, you know, and that energy to run in behind and, and get over the top. And we all knew that. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer didn't come up with anything different. He didn't come up with anything different in the 90 minutes. Didn't come up with anything different in extra time. That Good coaches change things and sometimes change things dramatically. You go, you know, Pep's done it. Klopp's done it. Mourinho at his best and made three substitutions at half time. You know, in places, change the formation. That's why you're a. Co- that's why you're the coach because it's it, on it, you. It's a problem, Eddie. It looks like Manchester United are a team of moments rather than a team of structure, don't they? Yeah, uh, at this present moment, I agree with everyone. I think you're, they're relying too much on the individual quality instead of the team pro- progress. If they if they don't if they don't pull it together, they're always going to come up to teams that are well organised. Too many teams are too well organised today. It doesn't matter who you're playing, even if you go in the championship in the FA Cup and you play a championship side or a league one side, you most probably will beat them because you're too, you're individually too good. But you will struggle because you're up against organised teams that know you know you very well. So um, I, I feel that you know if he's going to continue with Man United, it's all it's okay saying that you understand the Man United club and Man United DNA, but the main DNA of Man United is winning trophies. And uh, after four seasons of tro- no trophies, then questions are going to be asked harshly of uh, Oli and his uh, his team. Martin, you're in Porto. Does it feel like you've got a Champions League final there, or does it feel? Oh like yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been dealing with like 48 hours of straight bureaucracy. It absolutely feels like a UEFA organised event. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it, it, you, could, you can. I was in the centre of town uh, last night. You could hear fans singing. They were down at the uh, down at the Duo River, um, along the front there, and, and and stuff. Yeah, it will be. You know, the football will be great. The football will be great. Porto's a great city. Um, the football will be great. I, I can never get over the fact that it, it, whether sixteen thousand people had to had to move across Europe for for this one, and wh- whether someone at UEFA could not have said. These are exceptional times. These are exceptional circumstances. Let's see if we can organise this one to, to to benefit the fans. But the 2,000 VIPs, the, the football family, as they're called, um, took priority. So everyone's had to move to Porto. And I think it's a shame because you hear stories about Chelsea tickets being returned and stuff, which they certainly would have, wouldn't have been, even if you played the game at Newcastle. You know, they certainly wouldn't have been. But... You know, we're here now, it's an all English final and it's something to be sort of savoured and look forward to. Yeah. OK, Eddie, let's drill down into it. What chance do you give Chelsea nine years on from your great triumph in Munich? It's 50-50. It's a, it's a game, you know, at the end of the day, it's one-off game, end of the season. No one has to save anything. Everyone just gives everything on the night <laughs> and anything can happen. Uh, it's 50-50. What about the fact that the Chelsea have beaten City twice very recently. Does that have any impact, not on the City team, but on the Chelsea team, knowing they can beat this side? There's there's two sides to that factor, in my opinion, because I, I look at it and say, OK, we know we can beat them. We've, we've beat them twice leading into this game. But, 
you then you start thinking, you know, in the back of your head, you start thinking, we've done it twice. Is it third time lucky for them in the cup final? You know, and will will they now get one up on us in the when it really matters? Uh, I hope it's not playing in the minds in the back of the minds of the Chelsea uh, staff and players, um, but. There's two. There's two ways of looking and balancing that. That that them that the fact that they've won twice before. This is the moment, Danny, isn't it? He's been sensational in this country, Pep Guardiola. But this is the moment, isn't it? He wants the owners want, the City fans want. They've dominated English football for a decade by and large. This is this is the final frontier now. It's huge. Uh, Guardiola's record in finals is just unbelievable. What's he lost? One final. Whatever that was, a Copa del Rey final, Copa whatever. Del Rey, wasn't it? Yeah, back in 1988 or something, I think it was. It seems that long ago. <laughs> it's just incredible. If, if City were to lose, obviously, it's not a disaster, but it's much bigger than if Chelsea lose because, you know, Manchester City are the favourites. They've wanted this trophy for so long. They've obviously never, mm. never won it, never been in a final before. But as Eddie says, <laughs> Chelsea have all the tools to hurt Manchester City. Those players have got to turn up. It can go, it can, the game can change on a decision. You know, I, I know we have VAR and those sort of things, but you still get bad decisions. You still get incidents in a game. You get a, a slip or a lucky goal. And if, you know, if Chelsea get ahead and then suddenly they, they shut up shop and, you know, as Man City push on, you start to get frustrated. I don't, I don't, I don't see it being a, an open game end to end. It's not going to be like a 3-3 or a 4-3, something like that. I think it'll be tight, maybe 2-1. But yeah, Chelsea will have no fear factor because they've won those two games. If, if they'd have been beaten heavily by City already, you go into the game thinking, how are we going to beat these? Because we've been battered. Now they go into it with that belief of going, right, OK, this is not a problem. But then you flip that and City go, we are not letting this happen in three times in a row. So they will be, you know, they'll be up for it even more. Martin, what's your reading of it? Well, I think Manchester City are... Um, a better team than Chelsea. The league table would, would, would tell you that at the same time. Um, Tuchel has found a way of, of, of beating Manchester City the last uh, two occasions they've played. Not the first man, first Manchester City team. We, we know that. I mean, the, 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 certainly in the second match, uh, it was very far removed from the um, what you'd call the first choice Manchester City team. But nevertheless, I think the problem is it's the two best defenses in Europe this season. The two, you know, it's certainly in the Champions League context. Um, both extraordinarily miserly defenses. What I would worry about with Chelsea is there. If you think that chances will be limited for that reason, their ability to take that chance when it arrives. You know, they've got a lot. They've got a lot of forwards who who seem to need um, a few more than one chance to, uh, to score, basically. And I, I'm not sure how many City are going to give them. This is not the City of 12 months ago. Um, you know, it, it, it's a very, very tight defensive unit now. Um, and, you know, if you get one chance and it falls to Timo, does he put it away? That, that, that would be my concern um, for Chelsea, basically. If Chelsea go in front, I think it's going to be a very difficult game for Man City. Really difficult game for Man City. Um, but if Man City go in front, then I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a long night for Chelsea. I think whoever goes in front first, it's going to be a long night for the opposition. It's probably Danny, not much more than a than a prime centre forward to get Chelsea challenging City next season, is it? You mean Harry Kane? 
Is that the one you mean? Uh, no, I, well, no, because I, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't mean Harry Kane because I just can't. I see do. Uh, I, I, I think I think he fits Chelsea perfectly. Can uh, you see him going to Chelsea? Really? Why not? You got but Mike, <laughs> you've, you've, you've been around footballers long enough. Yeah. Sol Campbell. Sol Campbell went to Arsenal. I know, dude. You know, Pat Nevin said to me the other day, remember Mo Johnson went to Reigns. Exactly. Play, players do not care. It's it's irrelevant. You know, it's if, if double your wages and suddenly you're going to win trophies and you don't have to move house and the wife and kids are happy living where they're yeah. living, <laughs> you're going all day long. It's, it doesn't matter what team it is. And, and also, and that's right, if I'm Harry Kane, I'm thinking, well, where am I going to score goals? I've got pace around me in that Chelsea side. Perfect. You know, they're mm. going to create chances for me. I can play as the number nine. So that works. Uh, it, 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 I think it's one of the best fits, I think. Eddie, they'd have Harry Kane, wouldn't they, at Chelsea? Of course. Of course. I know that for, for the Chelsea fans, it's one over the Spurs fans. They'd love that. The fact yeah. that he's a quality player, would you call it, is another addition. As, as uh, Danny has quite rightly said, you know, the pace around him, he suits him. And he will get chances all day long in that in that time, in, in that team. Without doubt, he'll get chances all day long. And he's someone that's going to put them away. And Chelsea, you know, you can say I've got my Chelsea hat on, but they win. They win. They win titles. And uh, that's what he wants. He wants he wants titles. So, therefore, as you're saying, good wages, staying in London, a real good chance of winning titles. Why not? Let's talk about the England squad. Obviously, uh, narrowed down to 26 next week. And it's obviously difficult for Gareth Southgate because of the, the finals in Porto and the one in Gdansk as well. Danny, we were just chatting about this before we started recording. You think that one of the Bens, Godfrey or White, will be in the final 26, do you think? Yeah, I do. Especially now that Maguire's missed out on the Europa League final. Uh, if Maguire's fit, it's a back four. You know, simple as that. It, it, there's no question... Uh, about that. If there's any doubt about Maguire's fitness for England, it changes to a back three. Uh, because you, after Maguire, who do you play? Stones and Mings, that doesn't fill you with great confidence, does it, in, in any way, shape or form? It's not really strong enough to win a tournament. So you've got to go to a back three, I feel. And then a, you start looking at players that who's played in a back three. And you know, people are going, what about Tamori? Hasn't played in a back three all season. So you know, why would you suddenly bring him into that? Ben White has played very, very well. I know it's been a, a team at the sort of the wrong end um, of, of the Premier League, but he's a good player. He's a good defender. He's decent on the ball. And he's played in a back three all season. Cody's used to playing in a back three. You know, Godfrey has played in that position, um, you know, a, a lot as well. And is maybe a, more on the left-hand side, uh, you know, as a, sort of instead of the, the Tyrone Mings position. So I think he's brought those two players into the squad on the basis that, Rather than just bring one in and think, let's see how they deal with the pressure. You know, you, you've been around it, Martin. You've been around it, Martin. You've, you've seen how players, some freeze, some rise to the occasion. And you never really know. You know, we've heard from Ben White how he, he cried for an hour when he got the call up. Now, that's a little bit concerning for me because the last thing you need is super emotional players yeah. you know, in, in big games yeah. and in competitions. David Luiz for Brazil in yeah, you know, it, it can, you know, It can easily go one way or the other. So I think Gareth brought the pair of them in to see who deals with the situation. 
to who you know who performs in training in the next in the next two or three days. Eddie, it's it's the bit that must be keeping him awake, is it the defensive structure? Because midfield, even with Henderson's injury, midfield and attack, there are lots of options and there are lots of good options. But would you agree it must be the defensive side which is keeping Gareth awake? Yeah, I suppose so. But it's also a knock-on effect because then, you know, changing this, if you go to a back three, then, then do you do a 3-5-2 or do you do a 3-4-3? Three, three? Then, then you start thinking about strategy going forward. Then if you go 3-4-3, three, three, then someone's losing out uh, in the midfield, um, you know. So it, there's lots of connotations to go into a back three. You're not just talking about the defence. There's a knock-on effect to your decision-making. So therefore, he, he, he needs to... He needs to really think this through before he, he goes forward. If he's going on a back four, I agree with Danny. You know, Maguire's that one, that, that stalwart that, you know, you want and you go with a back four. But with a back three, it gives you loads of options, but it also gives you a lot of headaches. Well, I think he wouldn't want to go to a back three if he could avoid it, because England's strength is going forward. And as you say, Eddie, if he has plays a back three, by definition, you've got one fewer of offensive or potentially offensive player, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Tactically, it makes you less uh, offensive, shall we say, uh, and, and that is England's strength at this present moment in time. We've got we've got an abundance of uh, offensive midfielders and strikers that are you know that can make the difference in the, in, in this tournament. So it really is a lot of questions that he has to ask himself before he makes that big decision of whether staying with a back four or going to a three. Danny, at last, we're all talking about right-backs. Yes, your time. <laughs> right-back. <laughs> yeah, finally, finally, we've got some decent ones. <laughs> now, you said before we started, <laughs> all four will go. I mean, I've never heard so much talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold and right-backs in all my life, but you think he will go? I think he will go. I'm not sure how much he will play. Uh, so again, you know, it, it's it's on that back three, back five. You know, it depends what happens. Kyle Walker plays. Um, mm. he, he's the best. He's the best right back at the moment. And in form, in good form. Yeah. So, so you're hoping that he goes through the whole tournament, and you don't even have to bring another right back into the game. Simple as that. If it changes to a back three, Walker possibly moves inside. Obviously, Gareth did that in, in the last World Cup. But if Walker gets injured, who do you then bring in? Because you, you, let's assume England get out of the group. As we've seen, you're then talking about being defensively very, very solid. And as good as Trent Alexander-Arnold is, and he's an exceptional talent, great player, he gets caught out defensively. And you cannot have that in the quarterfinals, semifinals of a Euros. Trippier has been outstanding this season. So he, in my opinion, he's the direct replacement for Kyle Walker in those big games. 25 goals they've conceded, Atletico Madrid, this season. Diego Simeone, possibly the best defensive coach on the planet. You know, well, better, probably even better than Mourinho now. Mm. Um, and, and the way that's gone, he's exceptional. So what he's learned is phenomenal. If you then flip into a back three and wing backs, you're probably going to play, I think he likes Reese James or Trippier. Trippier played wing back in the last tournament, don't forget. And, and that, again... That's solid because the back three is maybe a little bit weaker. So you don't want to play in that situation. Trent, people say, oh, you bring him on because he whips in crosses. Well, Trippier's got great delivery from set piece. That's not an issue. Other players in that team can deliver set pieces. Reese James can deliver a good set. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Are, are, you, are you going to bring on Alexander-Arnold Arnold to get you a goal in the last half an hour of a game? 
probably not is the answer because you've got an abundance of forward. You know, you might have Greenwood in there. You might have uh, Lingard in there or, or Jack Grealish that you yeah. can throw into those positions to, to get you, to nick you a goal. But I think with the fact that it's 26 and the debate over whether it will be a wing back or flat back four, Trent goes. Because if you go to wing backs, he's a good, he's a good, very, very good option in that position. But if, it, if, it's a, if it's a flat back four, I, I don't think he'll play much football at all. We'll find out on Tuesday. It's all whittled down to 26. A couple of things to finish off. Martin, talk me through, if, it would, if it's true, why would Pochettino even be thinking about going back to Tottenham? I'm not sure. I, I don't know if he is. I, I'm not sure he is. I, I think he wants to, wants to be given a big cuddle by Paris Saint-Germain, personally. Um, you know, he's, he, he's had a row, hasn't he, with Leonardo, who's their uh, technical director. Uh, and I think, he, I think he wants to be shown a, a, a bit of love, basically. Um, and maybe given a bit more freedom to steer um, the club and the squad as he wants it, as opposed to how a technical director might see it. Because um, you know, you know what, not... if you're to win big trophies with respect to Tottenham, you know, PSG, you're going to win big trophies probably, or maybe even Real Madrid, there's your vacancy there. Hmm. It just feels like it would be a backward step, doesn't it, going back to Tottenham? Yeah, I mean, look, it would be more of a backward step if he'd already won trophies at Tottenham, but you know, you can argue he's got unfinished business there, but look. Everyone's got unfinished business at Tottenham. I mean, if you're talking trophy-winning managers, I mean, gee whiz. Um, uh, there's not a Tottenham manager of, um, around the last 50 years who hasn't got unfinished business if we're talking about league titles. So, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, second time around. I mean, look, it worked for Mourinho in as much as they won the league, but then, it, you know, then it ended very quickly. It's, very they, hard. They, they had I mean, much better players, they didn't they? Oh, they had much better yeah, players. I mean, Howard yeah. Kindle went back to Everton, I think, three times in the yeah. end. Howard went back it to Everton. Back and it and got sort of worse every single time. Yeah. And uh, it, do you know what I mean? It, it's, is, is, is Harry Kane going to stay just because Pochettino exactly. goes back? Probably no, not, no. is the answer. No. And, and then, so not. then you're thinking, you've got to buy a centre forward. The issue before was, would Daniel Levy release the purse strings for Pochettino to strengthen the squad? No. And then, of course, it started to go, and it went. It was going wrong in that when they got to the Champions League final. You know, it, there weren't great performances in the league at that time. No, they weren't. And, they, and then the start of the following season, it, it had gone wrong. So there was clearly something else happening in the background, whatever that was. Tottenham need a rebuild. You know, is, is Daniel, yeah, we know that Pochettino can do that, but is he going to give him the money to compete in the next two or three seasons? Because it might be, it's another probably five year project for Pochettino at Spurs to get them back to where he had them two or three seasons ago. I'm not sure he'd want to do that. And that's it from Game On. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. Don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. That's it from me, Mark Pugach. See you next week for more Game On.